0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network,
1: its staff and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5, it's working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez.
2: Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. If you've been tuning into this show for a while and listened to a few of them, you might remember that one of my intentions is to let you listen in on the world I've so cherished as a meaning and work researcher, those precious, intimate conversations with people about their work, what they find meaningful, what it means to who they are as a human being, and how they live their overall lives. That's what it is for me. So tuning into the show really is a way for you to be a voyeur to those kinds of conversations as I try to duplicate those research conversations with the guests I bring on. So what I hope you gain from tuning in is perhaps a new perspective on what work could be for you, a possible idea to spring yourself from work you hate, and maybe some inspiration and motivation to help you get where you really want to be. So after all, you're hearing from many guests who have found a way to work on purpose and make their work more personally meaningful to them in their day-to-day lives. And that's what I would hope for you as well. So for those of you who turned in, tuned in last week, let me make one correction to, to my show's introduction. When I was describing my recruiting of the agrochemist Russian turned opera singer that I met after the Iolanta uh, opera performance here in Dallas, I mistakenly described the main character princess as being deaf. She was in fact actually blind, not deaf. Just an important correction for any of you who are opera fans out there and hate to offend you. <laughs> an important detail. So at any rate I can't to wait I can't wait to have Mikael on the show probably maybe in June, July something like that. I absolutely love that part of my role as serving as your host involves being on the constant lookout for talented people with informative stories we can all learn from. So now regarding the actual interview on the show last week, we got to hear from Kimberly Davis, who is the founder and director of On Stage Leadership, and she talked about the importance of bringing our true best selves to work, that is, enjoying an authentic experience at work, really being who you are, and she helped us understand that we are more powerful and effective at work when we can be truly ourselves, so I hope you found a few useful nuggets in there for you. This week, we get to talk with Annette Anderson. She is a spiritual teacher of the Red One Foundation teaching and teaching of the Diamond Approach, and we'll learn about um, more about what that is in this conversation. She has a great story to tell about how she was able to, trans- to transition from a very successful career in healthcare as an executive to doing this today. Annette, welcome to the show. Thank you, Elise. I'm glad to be here. I have a ton of questions for you. Okay. But to start, will you just simply introduce yourself the way that you normally would and tell bit about the work you're doing today and then we'll kind of dig deeper into what's behind okay. that. Certainly. Um, well, I am currently serving sort of in two capacities. One is as a life coach and the other as a spiritual teacher. In my coaching, <clears throat> I work with people who come to me to uh, perhaps find more meaning in their life or in their work, but also to find out what's next for them in their life and in their career. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, I work with a lot of people in transition transition or moving into transition in some sort of their life, part of their life. As a spiritual teacher, I uh, do one-on-one sessions, uh, spiritual inquiry sessions with people, Uh, to support the unfoldment of their soul and to really support them in knowing themselves as essence and Mm. living that in the world. Mm. I love that unfoldment of the soul phrase. That is so beautiful really gorgeous. I don't know that I've heard that too many times. You and I've had conversations before as we were leaning up for this conversation today, and I've heard you say that, but it's beautiful. So I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about that. But before we get into that, I always think it's important for people to recognize kind of the path that you took to get here. So will you sketch for us? You started off, I think you said, in nursing and went into a career in healthcare, being a healthcare executive. So could you kind of sketch for us how you did that? Sure, sure. Well, when I uh, uh, graduated from high school and went to college, I really had uh, a longing to support people in some way to care for people Mm -hmm. and nursing was what was available at that time and it certainly was something that as an 18 year old that I could put my arms around right Uh, from there I um, became a registered nurse I have two master's degrees one in nursing administration and one in education and Mm -hmm. uh, my background in nursing was really in critical care Uh, After several years of working in management and teaching critical care, I uh, went on and taught at the uh, associate degree and the baccalaureate level in uh, a university teaching nursing. And then from there, just decided that I was ready for a change and I went into quality and patient safety in healthcare. Um, I ended up with uh, at Presbyterian Hospital of Dallas. Uh, I was hired there to implement their first uh, comprehensive quality program for, that served the hospital and over a thousand physicians. From there, I was promoted to be a vice president within the Presbyterian healthcare system and then within the Texas Health Resources, THR system, uh, supporting all of the hospitals in those systems uh, with their quality and patient safety. Um, and then, so that's 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 that path. Okay, so a pretty big job toward the end there. It sounds like yes, yeah, very big job. Okay, an awful lot to walk away from, and we'll, I want to get to that as well. But one thing that I don't think I understand: what is critical care? Uh, critical care would be like uh, for patients who are critically ill. Okay. So in okay. the intensive care unit, oh, I see. coronary gotcha. care unit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. Well now let's sketch up. Let's kind of think about that actual journey that you that you took to get out of corporate America and into your, into your spiritual teaching practice. What happened along the way? What was going on for you that made you start that path? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. (laughs) I'm ready. So when I was promoted to be a vice president uh, within the Presbyterian Healthcare system, I was pretty excited. It was a a goal of mine. Mm -hmm. It was a lifelong achievement. And after the first six to 12 months, I was doing a lot of introspection, and I realized that being an executive is not what it's all cracked up to be. (laughs) You know, it just wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And in looking at my life further, I realized that I was in my 40s and I had achieved all of my life goals. Mm -hmm. And I wondered, what else might be out there? What else is out there for me? About that time, I received uh, some information from the woman who was managing my financial investments about landmark education. And I was, uh, and the difference that it made for her and her life. So I became very interested okay. and, um, in that. Uh, and I went and I took a course. And in that very first course, I had a huge breakthrough in that I saw that I was living my life in a tiny little box. Mm. And worse than that, I was the one that had created the box. <laughs> You know, and so I saw that all I had to do was break the walls down. Wow. So that was sort of the beginning of that transition, although I will tell you, as you may, you probably know, breaking down those walls that are providing that security and that protection mm-hmm. is not always easy, mm-hmm. and it's not always painless. Mm -hmm. Now, say more about Landmark Education. A lot of the listeners probably don't know what what that offering is. Yeah, Landmark Education is a worldwide company that offers personal transformation courses uh, in most countries around the world. And uh, we are fortunate to have a center here in Dallas. Um, So basically, they're working on, they work with the people that come in, uh, looking at yourself to really... See where where you're blocked, where you're stopped, and then taking action to right break through that. Okay, I knew a little something about that because like I I got introduced to uh, Landmark back in Portland, Oregon, well more than a couple decades ago. But for those out there who have never read anything about it, I thought it was important to cue that up. Sure. Now, I remember, I think, that you said that you didn't just take a course or two. You took several courses and then went on to teach for them, too. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, um, I continued after that course. I continued with uh, the courses there, and I uh, began developing and maturing and growing. And I came to a point where I realized that I wanted to teach their courses. So I put myself into the seminar leader training body. And I was trained to lead seminars, and I led seminars there for several years, uh, to, uh, for groups up to about 80 people. Okay, I was wondering what the size was. okay yes. mm M-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you did that for a few years. Now, let's get to the part the transition part. It must have been very hard to leave that corporate job. I mean, I have to believe there were some nice handcuffs there and a good <laughs> a good salary and benefit package that would have been hard to walk from. So what was that consideration process like for you? Yeah, I think they call that the, the golden handcuffs. Yes, yes, I think yes, they do. Yes. yes. And uh, to be frank, it was scary. Mm-hmm. It was very frightening. Mm-hmm. And there are several reasons for that. First of all, uh, I had spent a lot of time preparing myself for that career. I had two master's degrees. Mm-hmm. I had spent many years becoming an expert in my field. Uh, you know, and I, I think that I was good at what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was that. And then the second part is the security yeah. the pay and the benefits that is predictable, that you can count on. Uh, that was really frightening as well. And then, thirdly, the whole thing about my dad. You know, my dad was so proud of me Mm -hmm. for what I had achieved, you know, in the world, and I didn't want to disappoint him. Um, So it actually took me three years to be able to leave my job, leave my corporate job. Mm -hmm. What I would say to that, Annette, is that I, in my research and my everyday conversations with people, I encounter people all the time who maybe have an idea of what they might want to do outside of their regular corporate job, but they they're not ready for whatever reason. They're either there, it isn't painful enough for them to, to want to go someplace else, or they really, that security is so important for them that they just really never really do it. So, first, I want to applaud you for doing that. I think it's really important and amazing that you were able to walk away from that and kind of jump into a bit of the wild blue yonder to do what you're doing. So, what did it feel like for you? Well, there was a constant tug, <clears throat> a okay. constant pull, so that I, w- I felt pulled by what was before me, my mm-hmm. uh, journey, my spiritual journey. I knew that following my spiritual path was important in my life. And uh, it felt like I knew what the next step was. But I didn't pull back and forth. And then there was, the on the other end, there was the security issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think I remember you saying that you have, the way that you actually left, (laughs) I forget what it was, but there was was a, I recall (laughs) there being an interesting story as to how you actually managed to leave. There Mm -hmm. was a couple important things that you did to leave. Will you just sketch that story? Sure. So I think it might be good to uh, just back up just a little bit, and uh, so the the way that I really knew that it was time for me to leave was uh, when I was leading seminars at Landmark, I was leading uh, a seminar called the Integrity Seminar. And that's where you look at the different levels of integrity in life, the highest one being living according to who you truly are. Mm -hmm. And in that seminar, there was an exercise around uh, looking at your life purpose, a purpose in life. And I was doing the exercises before teaching them to the students. Okay. And so I did that exercise on my own. And when I did that exercise, I had an epiphany. And Mm -hmm. I saw, by looking at my life and looking at where I was today, that my purpose in life was to support people in knowing themselves as spirit. That's the way I worded it then. Mm -hmm. So once I had that epiphany, once I had that insight, that was another sort of stepping stone in the transition. Uh, Like I could see that there was a a step that I needed to take and I needed to take that path in becoming uh, a spiritual coach or a spiritual teacher. And what I saw at that time was, you know, that I was to be a spiritual coach. And so I started putting a plan together to leave my uh, corporate job. But then it took me three years to really, really do that. And I think what the way that you did it was very thoughtful and systematic and professional. So will you say a little bit about how you actually left? Absolutely. So um, when I left, actually, um, you know, another part of the story really, well, like what was it that allowed me to finally say, "Okay, I'm leaving." Yes, lazy. yes, that's a that's an important piece. Yes. So I think it was in 2004 I started participating in the Diamond Approach uh, and. Uh, just the very next spring, so it was August of 2004, I started on my own spiritual path. And in the next spring, I, was, uh, I attended an eight-day uh, retreat. And when I came out of that retreat, I knew that I was leaving my job, that I, this was the time. I came back to Dallas, and I started working with my boss and my uh, company. And within six months, I was complete. I had left my, uh, my job. Now, you might ask yourself the question, you know, like if, if you know that you're going to be leaving and you don't do it for three years, how do you... Maintain your focus with the job that you're in, you know, <laughs> right. which is a very good question. Yes, it is. So uh, somewhere in there, I I saw what what could happen and really was could see what was happening. And I really created uh, an intention and a commitment to do the very best job I could. There comes that integrity yes. question again. Yes, yes, yes. The very best job I could until I left that job. So, on the very last day, when I was moving my personal items out of my office, I um, took the time, when everything was out and gone, to clean the office. I polished the furniture, the desk, (laughs) the, the file cabinet, the table, the chairs, and I left the office in pristine condition. And in one way, it was like I'm honoring myself, By following my path. Mm -hmm. But I'm also honoring the organization that I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. I just think it's a class act, Annette. That's why I wanted you to tell that story because you mentioned it briefly before. And I thought, I, I just think that's an important thing because when you are ready to leave an organization who has... Supported you for many, many years. It's really important that you you do it well. You do it professionally. You do you show them the same service and honor that they gave you. And I know that in today's world, that's not always easy because people get walked to the door. I know that, but I think the way that you handled it, because you were that executive level and you put a plan together. I just I, th- I really applaud that, and I think it's important for our listeners to understand the thought that you put into that and the integrity piece that you contributed. Yes. Uh, so that I wanted that's why I wanted to call that story, out. I just think it's just so important. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and just a little bit before we go on a break, we've just got a little bit more time before a break, but one thing I do want to uh, cue up here is what you've been talking about is you've been using the word epiphany. Uh, another way to say that, I think, is a calling. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's what I think is interesting about that. I, I, what I know as a researcher is that very few people frankly, and the word is, achieve that level of experience in their in their in their careers, in their lives. It is considered an achievement of really on a very high level for, for a vocation. A uh, very, very powerful experience that many people fervently want to experience, but really haven't. Um, and so I want to understand more about how that actually came to be for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably need to do it after the break because we're coming darn close okay. here. But I, well, after we come back from the break, that's what I want to cue up is really more about how you really did come to understand and crystallize this is what it is for me. It's not just a niggling feeling. You've been saying epiphany, but that's what I want to hear for from me more after the break. So we've been on the air with Annette Anderson. Uh, I'm Elise Cortez, your host and she's been sharing with us her her path her journey from starting out in healthcare nursing and going forward into healthcare executive and then now she is a spiritual teacher and coach we'll hear more from her after the break as to what this calling really felt like and how she knew it really was a calling stay with us
0: friend us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
1: This is Working On Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working On Purpose.
2: Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Annette Anderson. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, I was queuing up Annette to really help us understand how she really came to recognize that she had a calling for the work that she's doing. I think it's really important that she can explain that because maybe some of you have gotten a tap on the shoulder but just really haven't recognized it as a calling, and maybe you're missing missing the real chance there. So, Annette, tell us more about this. You've been calling it an epiphany. Uh, say more about how you really came to realize, this is a calling for me. Sure, yeah. And what I'd like to do is, you know, uh, back up a little bit b- before the epiphany. Okay. In that um, I started leading seminars at Landmark, and I found them very fulfilling. And a lot of the the work, you know, involved coaching, coaching people during the session and after the session, Uh, And what I started noticing when I went to my job, uh, my day job, is that uh, suddenly I was more interested in talking to people and what they were dealing with in their lives, (laughs) and then what I was doing. And I found this very curious because that's not me, you know, it's very different than me. I'm very focused, Uh, let's get the job done, let's move forward. And I started noticing that and I was curious about it. Um, And so then when I led the the integrity seminar and I had the epiphany, you know, the epiphany felt like a message came in. Mm -hmm. It came in from somewhere else. It didn't come from my mind. Okay. It felt like some sort of a direct hit in a way, like this is important. This is something you're supposed to be doing. And uh, so it's a matter, it was a matter of listening and observing for those little key messages and then, um, you know, when the epiphany came, and I know that doesn't come for everyone, but when that came, then becoming clear about what the next step was and then put, take, putting uh, steps in action to, to move forward. Okay, so that lines up with what we heard last week from Kimberly Davis, who, who are, who's all about purpose and, and developing, helping people develop that a purpose-driven work life and, and being living authentically. She said something very similar about being alert and aware and listening for some of those cues, being aware of them, being open to them. So that's very interesting. She said something similar. All right. So, well, let's get into your actual work here uh, as a spiritual teacher. I, I think probably it makes sense. Maybe you tell me. I, I, want, I want to first cue up uh, you're a spiritual, spiritual teacher, but you are specifically uh, of the from uh, of the Ridwan Foundation approach yes. or the Diamond approach. That's great. Cool. Help us distinguish what you mean by those various terms. Sure, sure. So the Diamond approach is the spiritual teaching path and method okay. of the Ridwan Foundation. Okay, gotcha. And the primary aim of the foundation is to uh, develop students. Uh, such that they are spiritually complete and mature. Uh, the, uh, a secondary aim is to um, support the development of humanity. Mm-hmm in general, hmm. the entire humanity, as well as to be in service to the ultimate spiritual truth, which is the unfoldment of spirituality in the world. So those are the aims of the foundation. Now, the, the primary method that we use in the Diamond Approach is that of open and open-ended inquiry into where you are in the moment. Okay. This inquiry promotes understanding and facilitates the unfoldment of the soul and really the uh unfoldment of the soul such that that the soul recognizes her spiritual essence mm, that's so beautiful oh don't you love saying that i do <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's talk about the training a little bit about the training and preparation it took to become a Ridwan teacher say mm-hmm. more about that what did that take was what was the duration what was involved yeah, so so the training for uh, to become a Ridwan teacher, uh, you know, first of all, one would be participating in the Diamond Approach to for a, a period of time to know that the path resonated with them and that this was something that uh, they were committed to. But the training itself consists of uh, at least seven years of formal training, which involves four or five retreats a year, as well as many book studies, wow. writing papers, mm-hmm. Uh, and and things like that. We studied uh, psychology, psychotherapy—not uh, psychotherapy—psychology, uh, uh, psychodynamics, uh, spirituality, the development of the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the development of the of the soul, and what are the different uh, stages, mm-hmm. the, uh, the structure of the ego, how does it get formed, mm-hmm. and what does the development of the ego mean, mm-hmm. as well as. Uh, the uh, development of spiritual essence in the soul. We studied uh, diasomatics, which is breath work, and movement work, body work. So it's very broad in its teaching. And then somewhere towards the end of that seven years, uh, in the seminary, one begins working with practice students. And uh, there's a supervisor who oversees your work and guides you. And and then when the individual... uh, you know, the seminarian, the individual, matures, like their soul matures to a certain point, And their skill level is such that uh, they can teach the diamond approach, then they become an ordained minister. Okay. So seven years is a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a couple of bachelor's degrees almost, right? Right. Uh, and there's a lot involved. It doesn't sound like this is just kind of a part-time gig here. So I do want to understand what kept you inspired to stay on this path. I, I mean, I know you're connected to the field. You felt the calling. But still, that's a long time mm-hmm. to go yeah. through all that. Yeah, it is a long time. And I think that uh, the, one of the most important things is that kept me connected and, and kept me moving forward is my commitment to my own spiritual growth okay. and unfoldment. That's uh, paramount for me. And uh, this path you know, of the seminary, seemed to be what was next for me. It was like seeing, oh, I think I need to go there. I mean, the first time somebody talked to me about it, I said, I don't want to do that. Hmm. You know, and then maybe a year, a year and a half later, when they opened the seminary, I looked at that and I said, I want to do that, <laughs> you know. And so it was just a matter of timing. So it was like seeing there's a calling there, there's a step there, and then stepping into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, let's see. What was the question? Well, had? I wanted to understand yeah. what was it kept oh, you yeah. inspired to stay yes. on that path. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And then also my commitment to spu- uh, support others okay. in their spiritual unfoldment. So, all of it, it just felt very right. It felt like it was the right step. It felt very uh, in alignment with where I was supposed to be at that particular time in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed on that path. Mm -hmm. That That phrase I've come to recognize, Annette, that idea I'm where I'm supposed to be in my life, that has come for me to, to, when I look at people's interviews and their transcripts, what that says to me is that's the purpose piece. That's, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's related usually to the calling. And I've learned to recognize that when I talk to people. So the way you just said Mm -hmm. that was like, oh yes, Mm -hmm. I know exactly what that is. But before you said, though, you said, I didn't want to do that. Do you remember, what was it that made you think, I didn't want to do that? You know, I'm not really sure at this point. Uh, I think, well, I was still in my corporate job. And um, perhaps I was satisfied with where I was. Not not quite ready yet, maybe. It wasn't like... No, I absolutely will not do that. There wasn't like a position around it. It was sort of like, no, I don't think so. Okay. So I think in looking back retrospectively, it was more that I just wasn't ready uh, to have that conversation. And actually, I think I know that that conversation occurred before I did that eight-day retreat that made the huge transformation where I was ready to leave my job. You know, and then as I took the action to leave my corporate job. I believe that continued to open things up for me, which then allowed me here's a door. Mm-hmm. I have an opening. I'll step into mm-hmm. it. Gotcha. Okay. I can totally see that. And I think probably our listeners can too. Once you go through a doorway, then you can start to see a different vista unfolding mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what I want to get to next, as we think about you, your actual work that you're doing today, is is the start. I mean, so many people think about, oh my gosh, the beginning of something that seems so daunting. How do I get started? How did you get started in your in your spiritual coaching business? So, um, you know, I've already shared how uh, I. Came to know that that was the right next step for me, and I, so I put put a plan together, and I, I chose. Of course, you did a plan of together. Course of course, I course I you put did. Put a plan together, and <laughs> I uh, chose a, uh, a coaching school that had a spiritual underpinning, and I became a certified coach. And then even before I went into the coaching school, I had people who were wanting to work with me. And so as I could, I took people on and and over time, my uh, practice built. Uh, so that's important. I think another thing that's really important is that... Um, when I left my corporate job, I had a sense that I would have some offers to do consulting and different things like that. And I was right about that. But what I had a sense of is that if I started taking those consulting jobs in healthcare, I would be right back with a full time job in healthcare. Mm-hmm, easy. And my spiritual uh, coaching would be over to the side. So I made a commitment to myself to give it six months, and I turned away jobs that came to me Mm. and focused on uh, developing my coaching uh, practice. One thing that helped a lot was defining who I am, what I have to offer, what my beliefs are, the type of people I want to work with, you know, that sort of thing. And then uh, putting that out into the world in terms of a website and brochures and uh, collaterals and things like that. I so applaud what you just said there, Annette, that idea that you actually turned away healthcare-oriented consulting in order to stay true to your new path. Mm-hmm. I think that is so crisp and so important and a, a great thing to, to impart to our listeners as once you decide to go out off into a different direction to really stay true to that and stay focused on it. I think that is a, a great point to really call out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay, so your actual work with your clients and your students, and I don't know if you want to separate the the life coaching that you do from your spiritual teaching, but uh, I want to understand how do you actually work with your clients or your students? Right, yeah, so, um, you know, whether it's a client or a student, I uh, work with them where they are, Mm -hmm. so I meet them where they are. Because really, you know, that's really the only starting place if that's where you are. <laughs> so I, you know, meet, meet them there. And then I work with them in terms of, uh, I use a lot of inquiry. But let me just say that I think I mentioned before that everything in life is a reflection of spirituality, Mm -hmm. everything, whether it's a reaction or a fight with your husband or a job that you don't care for. It's a reflection of spirituality. So everything has spiritual underpinnings, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with someone, we may be working on something tangible in life, but I'm working with a spiritual underpinning. And sometimes I'm working with someone uh, in that way, and they're not aware that it's a spiritual underpinning. They just think we're talking about their job. Uh, And then sometimes I'll work with individuals where it's very explicit that we're working, you know, on spirituality. I have several uh, long-term clients, and that's primarily what we do in our coaching, in my coaching clients. Uh, So... The other thing, too, is that um, when I'm working with someone, I'm really listening for what's next with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Not, maybe not what's next in their life, but what's the next question? What's the next inquiry? What's the next exploration that's going to support them in unfolding? You know, whether it's a student or it's a client, you know, I'm working, listening for what's next and then trusting that uh, whatever is needed is going to come through me to them uh, to support them with their unfoldment and development. I have to ask you a question at this juncture, Annette. This is interesting. So when I went to India in December, one of the things that we got told on one of our tours is that there's really two ways to think about spirituality. One is that God is without, and mm-hmm. the other is that God is within. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like you're talking about more of a latter kind of a perspective. Is that right, or can you can you clarify or talk about yeah, that? a good question, a very good question. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, um, basically, I... Uh, the diamond approach and and my belief is that uh, God is everywhere. Mm. You know, and so when we separate God is without or God is within, uh, it creates a duality. Mm -hmm. It creates a separation or a split. Mm -hmm. And Mm. um, so, you know, our belief, my belief is that true nature, God, universe, whatever words you want to use in your belief system, Mm -hmm. uh, actually Comes through you, hmm. and you know, being an expression for true nature for, for God in the world is very fulfilling because there's a deep alignment there. Yes. I'm so glad I asked that question because it was it was there, and, it, and the way you clarified that God is everywhere is wonderful. And I think it's great for our listeners to really understand more of your actual perspective because it's incredibly rich, and it, it's differentiating, I think, too. It's important. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, one more th- uh, point on that, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Is that, uh, you know, in the Christian tradition, in the Christian tradition, uh, I was raised Catholic, they uh, say, they tell us that we're made in the likeness of God. Mm. You know, so there's a clue right there, you know, that God is within us and uh, around us and, and everywhere. And even, you know, the mystic Christians, uh, like Father Richard Rohr, you know, that's part of their teaching. hmm what a rich inquiry. I'm so glad we went there. That's really fascinating. And, and then along those lines, and if we can, just a little bit, we've got just a little bit of time before the next break here. I do want to hear just a little bit more about what, what are you actually doing with clients? Do you have like certain exercises you like to assign them? Is there a certain like approach? I know you meet them where they are, but I so like to be able to help our listeners understand what people actually do in their day-to-day work. Right, and so I'd like to separate the working with the spiritual students and and the coaching clients. So with the coaching clients, uh, I use uh, a lot of inquiry. And uh, when I'm working with my uh, career coaching clients, people who are looking for something next... I have exercises and different things that they do and that we do together. That sort of lifts up the cover, covers and peeks underneath <laughs> to see what's hiding down there. Right. You know. So I'll use some of that. Okay. Uh, with my spiritual students, I uh, we actually sit in. Uh, we sit and inquire into whatever they bring into the session, and. Um, So there's one-on-one spiritual insight sessions. Now with the coaching, coaching is more goal-oriented. Okay. So you're working more with the goals, but you're also working with the spiritual underpinnings. With the students, uh, it's not goal-oriented. The diamond approach is not goal-oriented, and uh, it's not designed to heal uh, psychological injuries like therapy is but it's designed to support, the, the teacher actually becomes a guide mm. in that interaction to guide the unfoldment of the soul. Beautiful, oh my gosh, that's a great way to distinguish that, thank you Annette. Perfect way to go into the break. We've been on the air with Annette Anderson, I'm your host, Elise Cortez, and we've been talking about the actual work she's doing as a spiritual teacher and a life coach. After the break, I wanna hear more about what is, what is actually meaningful for you? What do you find fulfilling about that work? Stay with us. want more positivity in your life are you ready to get healthy happy and energized join the stella donna goddess gals cynthia Bryan, and heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating supportive conversation on star style be the star you are a lineup of best-selling authors celebrities and experts join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat positive life-changing talk radio playground Star Style. Be the star you are. Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time.
0: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
1: This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez.
2: Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to the Working on Purpose Show. We've been on the air with Annette Anderson. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, I was asking Annette to share really more about what how she actually works with her with her clients and she was help was able to delineate how she works with life coach clients versus spiritual teaching clients, and that was very helpful. Next, I want to hear, Annette, if you would, I'd like to understand what it is that you find meaningful about the work. I'd like to be able to hear you articulate that. I can imagine, based on what you've said, but tell us what do you find meaningful about the work that you do? Well, I think the most important thing that I find meaningful is uh, the alignment that I experience in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's an alignment with... um, God, true nature, the universe. And I am part of that unfolding. And so as my life is more in alignment with what's meant to unfold with me, through me, and around me, it can be very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So that's fulfilling. And then, of course, uh, it's very satisfying to work with someone, either as a coaching client or as a spiritual student, And really um, observe the growth that uh, people experience and take out into the world and into their lives. Mm -hmm. I want to ask an interesting question that I don't know if I've asked you before when when we'd had our, our preliminary talks about coming on the show, but... When you think about your work, I want to understand how important is that work to who you are as a human being? Is it really important to who you are? Not very important at all? Kind of medium? How would you describe that at importance level? Well, it's who I am. (laughs) (laughs) So my work is who I am. Yes, okay. And uh, not that I don't have room in my life or don't make room in my life for my family and my friends and uh, my health and other things that are needed. That's part of Uh, being who I am and living in alignment with what's unfolding, is, is all of those things. Mm-hmm. But my work is is who I am. It's an expression mm-hmm. of who I am, and it's an expression of what is meant to unfold or be uh, delivered through me. Mm-hmm. The reason I ask that question, Annette, is that when I, I ask that question of a lot of people, by the way, and I hear various answers from, oh, it means nothing to me. It's 1% of who I am. It's how I pay the bills, in which case there's an instrumental function there. I hear pe- people say, "Well, it's kind of important to me from the standpoint of how much work I or how much time I put into my work." But when people say it is who I am, what I've learned from my research is that it does overlap with the calling sort of faith, mm-hmm. right? Yes. People that have experienced their work as a vocation or a calling often say the work is who I am, or it's essential to who I am. There's no separation between me and the work, mm-hmm. and so I think that's really interesting that you've just sort of also supported that. I wasn't going to be surprised that you were going to say that, but. Anyway, that's why I wanted to call that out for our listeners because when you start thinking about where are you in your work, it's a great question to ask yourself to start the process of wondering, is this where I want to be? Is that what I want for myself? For some people, it's great for them. They, having an instrumental work connection is great for a lot of people. That works fantastic. For others, it isn't. Mm-hmm. So knowing whatever your connection is, I think, a great first step. So going back to your world, then—that's the work that you're doing here. I, I, it would be kind of interesting, given. I wonder what listeners are thinking about when they hear you talk about how you describe your faith and your connection to it. How would someone know if they were if they were better suited for maybe coaching or working with someone as a, a diamond approach student? How would how would how would they know that, and how would maybe you know that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think that uh, you know if someone is more interested in. Um, has tangible goals they want to achieve, maybe in their work, in their life, in their relationships, and coaching might be more appropriate for them. Okay. Uh, and then if someone is more interested in their spiritual path and their unfoldment in this world, in this lifetime, uh, the diamond approach might be more appropriate for them. However, I think that uh, if, if someone is in doubt that uh Which one is more appropriate would become uh, uh, evident on upon exp- exploration okay you're reminding me uh, of of gosh more than probably 25 years ago so it just it totally dates me but I was in my mid-20s you all do the math (laughs) and I was the recipient of some career coaching of a lovely woman in Portland she was amazing I won't say her name but she's still so precious to me but I must have been a pickle to work with because I was resistant I came to her I knew I needed her help and she was a fantastic aid to me but still along the way I was resistant she would give me ideas and in fact she's the reason that I ended up going to college and started college at age 24 when I hadn't before, because she was like, You gotta get it get an education to develop your mind. You've you just have to do that. That's who you are and that's what you're about. And she was right. But there were many things that I didn't listen to her and I fought her on. Do you encounter that with your students or your clients? Oh, I do encounter resistance. And um, you know, when I do encounter resistance, uh, you know, I Explore what's what's the resistance about? Mm-hmm. Because there's a reason that that resistance came up, and yeah. maybe a good reason. Yeah, and maybe, it might be an opportunity. Maybe a good reason. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe uh, that person is protecting something that's very vulnerable to them. Yes. So exploring the resistance without making it wrong allows both of us uh, to explore what's underneath. That's causing that resistance, which really is an opening mm-hmm. into spirituality. Mm-hmm. I recognize even, well, I am a, a Gallup-certified strengths coach, and they also use the word opening, so the idea of how you open someone to the idea of toward development. I think it might be interesting to hear more about how you go about that. It's probably really dissecting the work that you do, but mm-hmm. hopelessly useful to our, our, our listeners mm-hmm. to understand a bit more about how you do that and how you do work with clients at whatever level they are. hmm well, I think that uh, you know, with my spiritual students, I uh, and also with my coaching clients, I'm really working with people to be where they are in the moment, mm-hmm. and to really exp- as as an as someone begins to explore and inquire into where am I in the moment, and what's that about? Maybe there's an upset that they came in with well, how, what's the experience of that? How does that impact you? What, uh, you know, what do you see there? Uh, you know, asking help, guiding their inquiry. Mm-hmm. So the, the spiritual teacher, the Diamond Approach spiritual teacher is a guide in that the teacher can see where the student is mm-hmm. in their development and then uh, facilitates in a way, facilitates the unfoldment such that understanding comes and access to more of the spiritual essence can occur. Well, what's interesting about that from my vantage point is it strikes me that that place, wherever, whatever you want to call that place, is is the opening to growth. Is that's that how you see it? That's how I see it. Okay. Absolutely. Whatever is there, whether it's joy and happiness or whether it's sadness and pain, mm-hmm. is the accept, the portal. The mm-hmm. access the portal. portal. Yeah, the yes. access portal. That's right. exactly how I was about to say it. And even the work that I do when I do workshops within corporate America, I can see that with people. There is a resistance that people say, no, that's not right. That doesn't make any sense. And I'm not doing that. But then you'll see, you'll see them sit back and kind of noodle it a little bit, think about it, and they, there's a moment where there is, an, there is an opening for them to be able to grasp that new perspective. And so even on the workshop level, I can see that. I can only imagine how rich it must be on the personal, spiritual level to do that work with someone. Yeah, it's very rich. Mm. It's very rich. And, you know, it's, it, what's so great about it is that, uh, you know, I, a teacher sits and honors where anybody is. They don't have to be in a different place. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have the correct attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an honoring of that person, where they are in that moment, and then the willingness to like listen for what's next and to support them in, in their unfoldment. So what I also hear in that, Annette, is that it's not like there's like a a timeline. Like when you go through your bachelor's degree, you're looking at four years. Get out in four years, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't hear like an expiration date here or an agenda per se, it doesn't sound like. Well, I think that with coaching, there definitely is a, it's very goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. and uh, there are goals that you want to achieve, and there's usually a timeline around that, six months, 12 months. Now, I do have some long-term clients, very long-term clients, but like I said, they they now are more working on their spiritual unfoldment versus goals in their life. Okay. With a spiritual student, a Diamond Approach student, uh, you know, I'll be a Diamond Approach student for the rest of my life. Right, kind of like yoga. And I know that... Uh, with all the growth and all the maturation that I may have achieved and all the unfoldment, mm-hmm. there, there's much more yeah, there's available. No, do, is it, is it as if there's no end? There is no end. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We haven't found an end. Okay. Right. And how amazing is that? It's amazing. It's I, just amazing. I, I can see why that would keep <laughs> one motivated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, particularly when, when that unfoldment is so... That, personally is so rewarding to, you know, break through things that are blocking. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about myself now, or right. it could be a student, breaking mm-hmm. through things that are blocking and really experiencing that personal essence, you know, and then reaching a point where you can walk out into the world yeah. and uh, be that in the world. So when I listen to you talk, I, I think, to my, I always try to do this, by the way. I'll just let you in a little bit of a secret here, Annette. When I when I interview my guests, I try to determine where I think they might be in terms of their experience of their work in relation to my research. I found 15 modes of engagement. And when I listen to you talk, it, it seems pretty obvious to me, but let me ask you. Um, my number one, which is the one that really, it's it, this is the mode of engagement where people are, are working on a transcendent level. So they are connecting other people to spirituality or god and the work is really important to who they are as human being if not essential to who they are um i call that transcendent connection does that seem about right for you i mean you haven't read these modes you don't know what i'm talking about but that description per se it does sound right absolutely okay absolutely well i as i said i've um there's not a lot of people that are experiencing that mode and and most of them that are experiencing are in a similar kind of capacity issue they are priests um, pastors, rabbis, etc. So here you are ordained. It makes makes a little more sense. And I didn't just say that because you're ordained, but the work that you do and the way that you talk about your work, where your meaning comes from, is completely smack of that particular mode of engagement. So um, I wasn't going to be surprised if you said, "No, that's not me. That couldn't be me." I'd be shocked, but. <laughs> Uh, well, in our last little bit of time together here, would you would you just sort of say for us, Annette, what would you like to impart to the listeners? We've been having a really delicious conversation about who you are, your journey, the work that you do today. But what would you like to leave our listeners with? No, oh, great today? question. Great question. Yeah. So I would say what I'd like to leave the listeners with is, uh, you know, just be open. Listen for what's next. Mm-hmm. Be aware of the cues that show up in your life and be willing to, to test them and try them out. You know, and if you find yourself going, uh, going against the grain, per se, mm-hmm. maybe that was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. But perhaps when you take an action or you take a step, you'll find that further doors open. So, and then also be patient. Mm-hmm. Be patient and be, have compassion for yourself. Remember the three years. where it took me three years to leave that was difficult and uh uh, during that time I had a a a teacher tell me once you know don't worry about it you're on your spiritual path when it's time for you to leave you'll leave awesome awesome well what a great way to finish Annette I so so appreciate this I knew this was going to be what I like to call a delicious conversation and it was just before dinner time by the way perfect I really appreciate you sharing your journey from you started off really in, in nursing and then moved on to corporate health care executive and now you're a spiritual teacher and a life coach. Um, it's been great to hear how you actually described how you came to realize that you had a calling in this way um, and that here you are now you're ordained You work as a spiritual teacher in the Ridwan path and the diamond approach. Um, Many people that I talk with tell me that they are, they're so hungry to know what it is they're supposed to be doing with their lives, and they're desperate to find that. And then maybe when they see it, they're, they're not really, they're not ready. So what you've done that I appreciate is you've worked hard to be able to accept and develop your own personal development and receive that calling, actually be open to it, and then have that path where you could actually, you, you did a beautiful transition from your employer on your own, which is class act, by the way, total integrity, which is also an important thing to call out. So all of that has been great for you to listen, for me to listen to, and maybe for our listeners as well. So... If you want to learn more about Annette, you can can look at her website. It's AnnetteAnderson.com. So AnnetteAnderson.com. The other way you can look her up is to go on LinkedIn and just type in her name, Annette Anderson, and you'll be able to find her as well. So next week, we're going to be on on the air with author and speaker Dan Chabelle. He's written such bestsellers as Promote Yourself and Me 2.0. So he'll be sharing his own career path as well as many other career development and management pearls from his two books. Thanks for tuning in this week and listening. See you next week. Remember, work is at least a third of our lives, so let's work on purpose.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.